Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast. This is episode number 48 with your host, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. How's it going, Dakota? Pretty good, man. I'm uh, just enjoying time with you. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for over a year now. And this is a blessing we get every single week to come in here and work through the Word of God. We're in the book of Mark because we just want to encourage you as listeners what it looks like to trailblaze these discussions through Mark's gospel to grow in your discipleship. Yeah, and if you're listening for the first time, uh, really, we just uh, go through Scripture together. Um, We don't do a lot of prep, and that's on purpose. Not that we don't know the Word of God, not that we haven't read the book of Mark before, uh, but we want to have a really a natural conversation that if you were sitting down with somebody one-on-one, and you were walking through the Scripture with them and having conversation, what that may look like. And so it, it sometimes it brings up questions. Sometimes we do have to look in commentaries as we're sitting here, uh, as we want to explore these things. So are we doing deep dive studies into what words are, Greek words? Are we, are we doing a lot of that? No. We're not doing sermon prep, um, but we are going through the Word of God, talking about it, and and really just learning one-on-one uh, as Dakota and I spend time just in the Word together and having good conversation about it, just like you can by inviting somebody either to your home, uh, to the coffee shop, uh, really wherever, and just opening up the Word of God and having a good conversation about it. Absolutely. So we're going to jump into this quickly. We're kind of making it a goal, hopefully, to finish chapter 9. We know that we've had an episode on Jesus' transfiguration. We just had a great episode uh, for last week, verses 14 to 29. Now we start in verses 30 all the way to 52, but the passage shows us we can start with verse 30 all the way to 32. So I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for this time uh, with Kyle. I thank you, God, for your word. I pray that our listeners would grow from your word and that they would just, they would continue to grow as disciples. The key to their discipleship is your word and prayer. So help us to come into your presence. Help us to have a real sense that you were with us here in the midst of this. And we pray that you would do what we can't do through the power of your Holy Spirit alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mark 9, 30 to 32. We know that Jesus just got done rebuking his disciples for a lack of faith. He said, you can only, by prayer and fasting, cast out these demons, or by prayer is the only way you can access my power. 30 to 32. From there, they went out and began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. Initial observation, verses 30 to 32. Well, first you can see that Jesus wants to spend time with his disciples. Uh, he's As he's traveling, he does not want to be disturbed. He wants it to be unknown where he is going with them um, and wants to spend time teaching them. Yes, We just came off of a situation where he was teaching them, uh, and they were learning a real-life situation of a lack of faith. And I think he's now spending more time investing in them, preparing them for what is to come. Again, he is then now telling them what is about to take place, uh, that he is about to die, uh, and that he will rise three days later. 
Um, and so there's a lot of teach. I mean, I would say probably very intimate, intense teaching uh, going on in these three verses. I just read something that shows us that Jesus's public ministry throughout Galilee has likely ended. And now they're leaving. This is the first official leg of their journey as they're moving from the northern part of Israel through Galilee down south to Jerusalem. And you're totally right. You hit it. You hit the nail right on the head. Jesus is not concerned about confronting the Pharisees as much right now. He will um, confront them again. He's not as concerned about the crowds. He's not as concerned about any of these things. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen to him there. And these are some of the most intimate discussions he has with his disciples. Yeah, and I mean, soon these conversations aren't going to happen anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're getting to. I you, mean, you should feel that emotion when you're yeah, reading it. It's kind of, this is some of our last moments together. I mean, that's what Jesus is telling them. Mm -hmm. That's what he's preparing them for. Mm -hmm. um, so it is that intense. We do know from what it says that they did not understand the saying, but we're also too afraid to ask. I wonder why. Yeah. I think they understood to a point, but almost as if, I don't really want to know what that looks like. <laughs> or, or I don't, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was one of those things where I'm not going to question that one. Um, I don't know. I, you know, they don't want Jesus to die. I wouldn't want Jesus to die, right? No. I'm with him. I'm walking with him. He's the Messiah. I think there's still this idea that he's going to reclaim uh, power of, uh, in Israel and and push the Romans out. I mean, I still think there's a little bit of that, you know, Jesus, aren't you going to take your throne? Well, yeah, I am going to take my throne. It's just not the throne you think I'm going to take. So there's a little bit of that fear there because what they have been learning, Jesus hasn't been building an army. Jesus hasn't been doing any of the things that they may have thought the Messiah would do. He's been building something else. He's been preaching the repentance of sin. Yeah. He's been building a different kingdom. And I think they're starting to catch on to what that may look like. Not fully, but I think they're starting to understand that what they thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. And there's almost like that tension there of, I don't, I don't want to question Jesus because he keeps rebuking us. <laughs> And well, he just did. Well, he did, and he also did it to Peter not that long before, right? Yep. Um, so who's going to be the one to who's ask? Who's going to be that? the one to, yeah, who's going to be the next one to ask the dumb question? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's I mean, I'm sure they feel that way a little bit. Have you ever felt that way growing up in yeah. practice with a coach oh, or yeah. someone? The coach is just well, they call the play, and you really <laughs> you're like, I don't know the play, but I'm just going to pretend I know the play, and you go in the wrong direction. Especially as a running back. Yeah. You just forget which hole to hit. Morris. Yeah. <laughs> that was the wrong side. <laughs> the even number of holes are on this side and the odds are on that side, you know. <laughs> Coaches yelling at you with probably profanity mixed in there <laughs> in high school. But yeah, it's it, it is. You just don't want to be the one to ask the dumb question. Yeah. Even though everyone's looking at each other, clearly everybody else knows they don't they don't know the answer either. Um and so you just don't want to seem like the dumb one. That's kind of I, I could imagine them being that way. But I do, Jesus is preparing them. It is probably an intense time. He knows what's going to happen more than anything else. And and yeah, these three verses may be quick, but I there's a lot happening. So this is the second time that he prophesies of his own death and resurrection. 
What's unique about the second time is that it says that he will be delivered into the hands of men. Very literally, this means that he will be handed over. He will be like exchanged, which is interesting because one of those people who's listening to this very message is the one who will exchange him for silver. That's interesting. But you mentioned a moment ago, there seems to be this indication that maybe it's not going to work out how they thought. And I think that's true because maybe there's a fear in them. They don't want to ask because they know this is eventually going to cost them too. And they're not ready for that. And here, here's the thing that I think is interesting is we go from this intimate, serious situation where Jesus is predicting his own death. And this, for us as the readers, should strike us of how dull and how much lack of understanding the disciples have when we just pick it up here from verses 33 all the way to 41. So I want to I want to read it, and you're going to see what I mean. Jesus goes from predicting his death, and the disciples are quiet. Verse 33, they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them, what were you discussing on the way? Uh, it's almost like, hey, if you're not going to ask me the question, I'm going to ask you the question. But they kept silent, for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. What a, what a punch, what a force. Taking a child, he set him before them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive me but him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will be able to perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us, but whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Two things here. The disciples just shared that they were discussing who is the greatest. And number two, they're telling a man that they sh- he should not cast out demons. Two strikes on this one for the disciples. Yeah, of course. I mean, after... Everything we just read. Well, I think they're wanting to hold on to what they have. Oh, come on. You're about to preach a sermon. You know, they've <laughs> they've gone through this ministry <laughs> with Jesus. They've had good times, right? Like a ma- like I just kind of think of they're traveling, they're spending their camp they're camping with him. They're I mean, they're out there, they're living life with Jesus. And then seeing the things that Jesus has accomplished during that time. Uh, the sermons that he's given since then, the just the who teaching the crowds. I mean, all the things that they've seen, and he tells them it's going to end. Right? He's he's already preparing them for going away, and and I think they don't want to see it. They don't want to process that. Yeah. They want to almost stick with a discussion about the now a little bit but then also they then start talking about on the on this way back they're talking about who's the greatest of them like oh which one of us is going to be known the most right uh, and they kind of get back into this like very selfish view of them of what's going on uh, and they're getting really mixed up uh, almost as if they're suppressing what's actually happening 
and really just not processing the things Jesus are saying at this point. I mean, they're not praying. They haven't been fasting. They can't cast out a demon. Now they're talking about who's greater than than the rest. And they're telling people not to cast out demons who are doing it in <laughs> Jesus' name. So they're really not on a good streak here. Uh, I think they're having a real hard time. Okay, this is building. It seems to me that something is building here because what do we know will happen of the disciples as Jesus is handed over? They're going to run. You know, they're all going to scatter. While you, mean, Peter cuts the ear off of a guard, but yeah, I, I mean, he, he tries his best and <laughs> yeah. he hangs out by a fire yeah. and then he runs away and denies Jesus. Denies but, Jesus three times. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he tr- okay, Peter, you tried. You but tried. Jesus is calling for more surrender than that. But I think what you're saying, and I, I remember hearing this from somewhere, it's probably CL, but topographically speaking, you know, they're going up to Jerusalem. Maybe the direction is south on the map, but, but the, f- the, yeah, the, f- the physical, t- right. The physical topography is that they're moving up, which kind of has this indication of something is up. Something is building. Something is climaxing. Something, we're coming to the peak of something. So while Jesus's ministry is coming to this crescendo and this peak of his coming crucifixion, which we're going to see in a couple chapters, you're also seeing a massive decline of who? Of the disciples. And that decline is based on their lack of faith, their lack of understanding. And really, isn't it interesting, Kyle, that their lack of faith is directly connected to their idea of what they thought Jesus wanted for them. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I look, if you, if you think this is ministry, that's not ministry. I got a ministry coming for you, and it's going to blow you away. But you need to understand you're gonna go through you're gonna go through pain and suffering to follow me. <laughs> yeah, and, and then he reminds them to play nice. Yeah. Hey, there's other people who follow me too. Mm-hmm. You're not the only ones. Yeah. You you're talking about how, how special you are and who's the greatest of you. Yeah. Well guess what? I'm gonna pick a guy. His name's gonna be Paul, and he's gonna write most of the New Testament. And you don't even know him. He actually persecutes Christians. You know, they don't know. Like, he's going to use people. I like how you put that. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to use people that they don't even know, yeah. that they wouldn't even think would become followers of Jesus Christ. Right. So it's like... So true. So he's saying, look, if people are going to do stuff in my name, and it lines up with the things that I'm teaching, and they're doing it for me, yeah. and to glorify God, mm-hmm. who are you to stop them? Mm-hmm. Because they need to recognize... Jesus is about to establish the church, right? Right. So they need to learn to play nice with others. Right. <laughs> they need to learn to humble themselves. Right. And they need to learn to be servants. And that's what Jesus is teaching them, right? Uh, to be last, uh, to serve others. Um, and he, I know he's talking about himself, that he's the ultimate servant, that he's going to make himself last in order to save all. Uh, but that same humility needs to be in us as Christians, that... We're all serving and we're all doing it to glorify God, not ourselves. It's interesting to me just because it's a little fun to harp on the disciples. Well, at the same time, I'm also a little convicted. Yeah. No, I, I every time this comes up, I'm like, ah, I've done something like that. Yeah. I may not have argued with somebody about who's better, 
But you've done it in your head. Done it in my head, done it in my heart. But the impracticality of grown men walking with Jesus, arguing who's better, only for Jesus to grab a little child and to say, actually, you need to be like this. Mm-hmm. How humbling and how embarrassing. This little child, like in your society, nobody ever thinks much of him. Right. And you need to take that kind of trust in me. It's like that continued theme of a lack of faith and, and Jesus is calling them to take the faith of a child and, and to be last. What you're seeing is these themes where Jesus is humble. Jesus is a servant. And he's calling his disciples, look, guys, I'm going to find every opportunity to teach you that I possibly can because I'm getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we were to close up this chapter, verses 42 to 49, can I read this to close? For it. Yep. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if... With a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So 42 to 49, he starts to speak about hell. Yeah, and chopping off limbs. Cutting out eyes. Yeah, what is Jesus saying? Dakota, you still have two eyes? Yep, you got all your limbs. Still got mine. <laughs> okay. Uh, are we talking about literal limbs and eyeballs here? I think that's these are one of those verses that <laughs> people like to point out right? Um, that are taken out of context. Well, so. and Jesus also just said, have salt in yourselves. Does that mean that he's literally saying, go, you know, yeah, I'm gonna down eat lots a of salt. bunch of salt? No. Yeah. I'm all about it. That I'm would... all about the salt. <laughs> that paprika? No. Actual salt. Creole. Creole. Yeah. yeah. Tony's. You know, <laughs> Tony's. Everything. Especially mac and cheese. Ooh. Try it. All right. Uh, I learned about Tony's in Texas. Red pepper flakes. Oh, man. Yes, I put red pepper flakes on <laughs> stuff too. That's not salt, but it's still good. But speaking about red pepper f- flakes and fire. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> From the past, we kind of sidetracked there. But he starts off, right? Yeah. Talking about causing these little ones um, to stumble. Mm-hmm. And then he gets real serious in his description about the consequences uh, of this. He says it would be better for a man if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Yeah. So the seriousness of making somebody stumble or to pretty much either not share the gospel or to keep the gospel from somebody, you might as well just throw yourself in the ocean and drown yourself. Yes. Like, that's how serious I'm talking about here. Um, And then he goes into more of those like descriptions. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, I have both of my hands and I am a sinner. Right. Right. So he's clearly not talking about chopping. I'm not going to chop my hand off. But what he's saying is, it is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell. Yeah. Um, So he's going through these descriptions of what is better. Well, clearly... 
sharing the gospel is the is the mission. Yes. And he's getting his disciples. I think he's trying to draw them out of the selfishness that they're currently in, um, and this this idea of them thinking about themselves, thinking who's greatest, not concentrating on glorifying God. And he's saying, "Look, when you put yourself in front of me, mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're losing opportunities to share Christ with others. Right. You're making other people stumble because you start to sin. Yeah. That argument you just had with the scribes that wouldn't have happened if you were following me." Right. If you were faithful to me, if you were doing it to glorify me. So he's he's really getting to this point where he's like, I would rather you look like this right. than fall away from me. I'd rather you walk in this life crippled than fall away from me. I'd rather you have one eye. I'd rather you throw yourself into the ocean, millstone, right. and die right. than do that. I mean, he's kind of bringing up these very graphic <laughs> yeah. um things. He's saying, this is so serious. This is life and death the serious. when you... Do not take an opportunity to share the gospel. You are sending people to hell mm-hmm. because you didn't take the opportunity to share them. Mm-hmm. He's saying these are very serious matters. There's nothing to joke about anymore. Well, on on one hand, you know, sin is the issue that will send people to hell. If Jesus isn't your savior, you're going to go to hell and you need Jesus to save you from hell, right? But it, it's... You are right. It's interesting that he's talking about the disciples. You know, salt was used as a part of a, sac- a sacrifice in the book of Leviticus mm-hmm. because it was a preservative. So Jesus is really speaking to the disciples about a preserved, set aside, holy life mm-hmm. whereby they can be used by him and not stumble themselves or not cause others to stumble because others will be going to hell because of these things. So, and right here and right now, I mean, I to be just completely straight and real, verses 42 to 49, I'm a little bit wrestling with if the disciples are saved, why he's talking about hell. I mean, I, I'm starting to yeah. piece it together, but I haven't studied enough in real reality. But I do have this, this note that kind of provides some good feedback for it. This miscellaneous collection of the sayings of Jesus on discipleship began with a dispute in verses 33 to 34. And it concludes with an admonition to be at peace with one another. Peace, or even reconciliation, is disrupted by ambition to be great in a worldly fashion. Mm-hmm. Which means you got to stomp on other people to get there. Right. It is promoted by the servant attitude. So, meaning peace is promoted by the servant attitude. The disciples are looking at themselves and Jesus is wanting to gather them back in and remind them. It it makes me think of this. Have you ever watched a young team that gets out there and they're in the playoffs or in the championship game and you can just tell their inner inexperience is coming to the forefront in the most critical time? Mm-hmm. Like the Phoenix Suns this past year. We rooted them all the way to the finals, but you could just tell they kind of collapsed at the last moment, right? Mm-hmm. And not to make a point about sports, but it's like with immaturity means that in the most tension-filled moments in life, sometimes we're not going to pass. And I think you're you're witnessing the failure of the disciples before their greatest test. Right. But at least Jesus is still teaching them because they're going to be able to take that test again. How gracious of God to be able to say, oh, you're going to take that one again. Right. Well, I mean, they're going to get to a point where, I mean, they're going to suffer too. I mean, yep. 
yeah, Jesus is going to suffer. They're going to have to go through watching Jesus die on the cross, and they're going to go through all this. But Jesus knows what's happening like beyond that. Uh, he knows the sacrifices that they're going to have to make. Uh, he knows what their life's going to look like. Um, and and I think he's he's really trying to get them to see that maturity needs to happen quickly here, guys. I mean, we, you need to know how serious it is uh, to follow me because I've chosen you uh, to continue yeah. what I what I'm what I'm about to accomplish. Um, and so, I yeah, I I mean yeah, this is serious language with a lot of talking about sin and and things, but uh, really. Um, you know, Jesus wants us to follow him and he's serious about it. A last word before we start to close here would be this. There is this uh, understanding or maybe there's this feeling or this indication that we're all getting due to the times that we're living in. We as Christians need to be prepared for greater tests ahead. And these are all great reminders because we don't know when that day is going to turn when it's like, oh, it has fully arrived. It's right in front of our face and we're actually being persecuted because of our faith. I think this is a great reminder that it's time right now to get serious about our walk with Jesus because a lot more is going to get worse before it gets better and Jesus will return. But will you be walking with him before his return? It's such a a humbling question just for myself. Yep, it is. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we were able to end Mark chapter 9. Uh, we are blessed by all of you who listen, and we hope that you're blessed by our conversation. Uh, continue to pray for us as we have our ministry at Ottawa Bible Church uh, here in Ottawa, Kansas, and uh, continue to pray for this podcast. Uh, and please share the podcast. Uh, that's all that we ask is that you pray and share. Uh, also, you can rate us on your favorite podcast platform, and that'll give us the ability to be seen a little bit more. Uh, So please just help us out. We just want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and help people walk through the scripture together. So God bless.